0: Gentlemen, welcome back. Episode number 196 of the Course Grind podcast with you as always, host creator Sean Rossler. How the hell's everyone doing? We are back. Again, it's been a little bit. I get it, but I feel like we are starting to find a gentle, if variable, cadence in it all. I'm still eating, still enjoying, still posting. Thanks, Insta fans, for tuning into that shit show. And we're getting slowly but surely back to what we'd call regular here on the CGPC whatever that even means in that renewed normalcy you always turn first to family and friends and I can say without a shadow of a doubt there's one family who's been part and parcel of our feeling of support since May and their name is in line with one of my favorite Mexican beers of all time and no right now would be a bad time to have a friend named anything with Rona it's been a long time trying to land this guy and I can say we finally did so moving on tonight's guest Originally hit the main scene as a music PR guy, a couple bands I'm sure you'd recognize, but I'll let that all go for now. Around 2013, he recalculated away from the dog-eat-dog of PR into working as a bartender, which is, let's be honest, a gateway to awesomeness. From there, he freelanced a bit as a publicist, but most importantly and relevant to this show, headed to culinary school to be, of all things, a private chef. He keeps the portfolio pretty tight on clientele, but suffice it to say, his Instagram is enough to make you realize just how amazing his skill sets are, stemming originally, anyway, from his family name and clear, obvious culinary roots. Again, familiar as I am with this incredible family, it's hard for me to take the fanboyism out of the family properly enough to focus on the skills and the story in question. Rest assured, I'm going to allow him to do all the storytelling about what got him to point b so let's bring them on ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between music pr icon turned culinary student then publicist and then private chef chef chris pacifico what's going on brother hey good morning how are you Oh, fantastic i can't stand how good i am right now because we're hooking things back up i'm finally getting to talk to you it is amazing um and i cannot wait to hear all about where the hell you get this amazing inspiration from? I seriously, you know, I watch a lot of Instagram feeds. Yours is probably the one that has given me most reason to clear my screen off. Uh from Drool, perverts. I, I hear you at home. From from Drool, knock it off. Um, so without further ado, let's jump right into it. Folks new to the program, folks with terrible short-term memories, like yours truly, starters, mains, and afters, starters, we're gonna talk about what got the guest in question to where they're at currently. Mains. We'll talk about what they're doing. And after is a little bit more irreverent, a little bit more off the cuff, but no one's been severely <laughs> bodily injured in 195 episodes, so I don't see it happening today. So without further ado, Chris Pacifico, let's jump right into it. Tell me about where and what you grew up eating.
1: Uh, well, my, fam- my mother's family is Italian. My father's family is Italian as well, Um, so... Really, a lot of just like a lot of Italian food, a lot of you know bread, starches, carbs, pasta, uh, a lot of simple food. My mother's family is from the Abruzzi, Abruzzi side of Italy, which is a very rocky, hilly part of Italy. It's kind of like it's like desolate, barren land where people actually go to hide a lot of times. It's kind of like the desert of Italy but rocks, so you have a lot of like mountain, foresty, rustic food. And my father's jellies in Sicily, which is a lot of like you know, the leftover simple poor poverty kind of food you take leftover breadcrumbs spices garlic dried fruits and nuts so i grew up around a lot of that um i watched a lot of tv like a lot of pbs as a kid so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, i was i was big into like julia child the the gourmet uh justin wilson who we talked about recently yep and like jacques Pepin. and so from that part i just really had inspiration just to like I was always fascinated by food, how it was made, the height, the color, the smell, the taste, everything that kind of went into it. Yeah. Um, the first, I, I will say, my, my main inspiration, like in my personal life, aside from those famous chefs I just mentioned, was my my dad's mother, my grandmother, because she just she was just an amazing cook. Uh, everything she did was so simple and good and delicious and aromatic. Yeah. And I say the first. The other one possibly at my own father because the first thing that maybe actually I actually want to get my hands dirty cooking, uh, was when I was a kid for dinner one night, I think I was maybe six or seven, I can't quite remember, around that age. Yeah. Um, he wanted to make he's she's like, Do you want an omelet? I'm like, What's what's an omelet? <laughs> As a kid I thought scrambled eggs are just these scrambly, wobbly things and he's like, huh. No, it's like it's 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 like a he, he put mushrooms in them, and I'm like I'm like, This is a scrambled egg? You can like put things into <laughs> right. any time of day i'm like this is amazing and so really from there just kind of the interest just kind of picked up
0: yeah uh, man the, the, the omelet um there's there's one famous chef i can't remember who says y- y- you make a soup and i don't think that's jacques Pepin. i think that might be puck i think it might be wolfgang puck when you, you, you come on to interview he he has you make a soup but there's one that has you make an omelet because it is the most Simple. I mean, it really is, right? And actually, at the same Jacques time, Pappen. you can Jacques, jack that up. Jacques
1: Pepin actually... Funny, because Jacques Pepin actually did say that was on one of the shows. If you go on YouTube, there's an old show, Jacques Pepin, from the late 80s, early 90s, where he's showing um, the difference between a French omelet and a classic country omelet. And he mm. does say that when you have an interview, that's what you have to you have to kind of that's show. That's who
0: it was then. That's who it was. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, it really... When you get down to it, I know we're gonna get into like present day and what you do and how you do it, but really simply I, I had
1: a chef one time, and then you say, uh, "Make me an omelet," and I said, "Do you want a classic French omelet?" I mean, I'm sorry, I said, do you want a classic country omelet or do you want a classic French rolled omelet? He goes, "Oh, oh, well, never mind that." He goes, "You're cool."
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Next, next time you really gotta jack him up and do the uh, the, the the Japanese style where it's like the, in that deep pan. And then they roll yeah. it. Um, I forget yeah, the, the, tor- the tornado on the tornado, tornado. There one. it is. Yep. Yeah. For sure. And then, and, then, and then once he said that, he's like, cool,
1: you're hired. And then he goes, now go, you know, now go, uh, peel this 90 pounds of potatoes. So. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, that's, that's the whole thing too. Like the generation that grew up on Food Network looks at like culinary as celebrity and like it don't matter like where you come in at, like you're going to be peeling potatoes. You're going to be busting your knuckles. Like, like, yeah. and you have to be cool with it.
1: Along the lines, I've always seen a lot of chefs who – see, culinary school is kind of a weird thing among chefs because, you know, these this day and age, it does help. You know, culinary arts degree on your resume does help, but also experience helps as well. So you have, you have a lot of chefs who did go to culinary school, mm-hmm. but I've also met a lot of chefs who are very successful and doing very well, who literally just started in the kitchen washing dishes. Yep. And then – one night somebody didn't show up on their shift, which happens a lot in hospitality, mm-hmm. and they they just put them on the line, and that's how they kind of worked their way up from there. And they are just as good, if not sometimes better, than chefs who have all the culinary accolades, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, we get into the battle of taught versus made. Let's let's go back to your story uh, for a little bit, because you mentioned the, the inspiration, and, and, and the word I keep hearing used is aromatic, aromatic, aromatic. If I put you in a time machine... And, and, and we go back and you think of, like, childhood foods growing up. What are those smells that tug at your heartstring? Like, like what were the dishes?
1: Well, I mean, we had a, we had a lot of soup growing up. So I mm. think aromatics is very important. in soup, well, you know, like garlic, celery, onions, you know, basic mirepoix, you know, celery, yep. onion, garlic. Um, and that and the seasonings and the fat you kind of put them with. Uh, the main food, I the two foods I can say I really grew up with as far as that really kind of got me was my grandmother made shrimp scampi a lot. Nice. Uh, we used to go to her house every Friday night when I was little, so it was just like the way there's the shrimp and the oil and the garlic and the parsley, and the parsley, and you just sop it up with bread. And, it, and they have they have a similar thing in uh, in, in Spanish food too. It's called gambons, I think. And, but basically, what happened is with, with Italian shrimp scampi was just like four simple ingredients. So delicious. You know, you suck that – you leave the shrimp on the shell and you suck the juice out of the shell before you pop it up and eat the shrimp. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's that. And I would say my father always – he's always making uh, Italian wedding soup with little yeah. meatballs and the pastina, which – another good use of mirepoix aromatics. Uh, and so those really – I'd say Italian wedding soup and shrimp scampi are the first thing that got me into aromatics. Side note, I, I am not against vegan food or vegan recipes. I like, I sometimes, you know, I, I'm what I call flexitarian where I usually, <laughs> I, start, I start my day off. I try on the weekdays to start my day off with what is considered a quote-unquote raw diet. Just to kind of have that in there, but, but I do believe that vegan food, there are recipes that are naturally vegan mm-hmm. just because they were made that way. They were made by impoverished people. That's all they had to cook with. Right. I like mm-hmm. vegan recipes that are naturally vegan,
0: not forced to be made vegan, like, like a vegan bratwurst. Like, like right, vegan, right, right. If you're vegan, you can't have bratwurst. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, it yeah. It, 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 it ceases to be a bratwurst when you precede it with vegan. Like, stop. Well,
1: also, also, it's like, I, I also believe, listen, I, I, I know a lot of people who are vegan are very creative I think that vegan food relies if you want it to be good it has to rely heavily on aromatics you gotta have some sort of aromatic to really pick up the flavor in there <laughs> to kind of have it out there and I, I also believe a lot of vegan food listen if you're vegan for environmental or ethical reasons that's all good I, I commend you for it and I commend you for the willpower to actually be that healthy to your body but I'm also going to say with this impossible meat that's coming out now. It's, it's so much that it's being made that pretty soon it's going to be putting out the same amount of greenhouse gases to make it as you know the factory farming industry is. So yeah, there's, yeah. There's that to kind of marinate on.
0: No, totally, and and, and I, I, you know I like what you say. I had never really given the historical aspect consideration of veganism. You know, I always go back to long, long time ago. I was a middle school, high school English teacher, and so the language patterns. Speak to, you know, the Germanic form was cow and pig who saw them in the field yeah. and beef and pork was of French descent, the, the aristocracy. I never I never considered that, like, those, you know, good, true vegan recipes would come from, you know, history of all things. I, I'm
1: going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what well, I believe in my heart to be the best vegan dish in the world. And again, it's not vegan to be vegan. It's, it's naturally just vegan. Uh, I believe that Serbian Balkan food is, I believe it's on its way for the next big culinary boom, like kind of like what Thai food did 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that, I really do believe that Serbian and Balkan and Croatian and Slovenian, the whole Balkan area, I believe it's overdue for a whole food boom. But besides that, there's a natural dish. All your listeners should go look it up. It's called Prebranic. Okay. It's spelled P-R-B-B-R-A. N-A-C prabranic is a Serbian dish it's where you basically take you take onions right and mm-hmm. you saute you take like six or seven you saute them low and slow I'm talking for like 45 minutes on low heat 40 minutes to an hour mm-hmm. low heat get them nice and syrupy then you take some fava beans and you put them in a casserole with those onions and you just put garlic olive oil paprika and a little bit of water and olive oil to kind of cook the top, and you put it in the oven for like an hour, and the top caramelizes beautifully. And it is like the most flavorful, meaty,
0: oh my delicious gosh.
1: vegan dish I've heard in the world. All, in right. P- all right, all P- right. PRB, R- B-R-A-N-A-C.
0: B-R-A-N-A-C. B- Got it. Look
1: that up. Look that up. Make it, it is, It's in my opinion, the best vegan dish in the
0: world. You heard but it yeah, here. It's, it's, <laughs> it's
1: not vegan to be vegan. They just made it because so it was had to
0: it with. Yeah, yeah, it's just it, it's just vegan out of necessity. So PRB, yeah. B R A, NAC, you heard it here first. Um Prebronish. Prebronish. I, I love it. I learned something new today. I adore it. Um going back then, you know, obviously you're here and now in the culinary, but you obviously made that switch, you made that call to to do the thing, and again, you know, I originally knew you to be in music PR. And then all of a sudden, like you're posting all this food stuff, and then I find out from you that you you went to culinary school. What, how did how did that transpire? So, what long story
1: happened was in 2008, I moved to New York City. I had a job as a music publicist. Uh, I was working. I had a lot. Of- I was working a lot of Media, copyright. So it all kind of worked out well. That I kind of made it to music publicity. Uh, four or five years later, things were going very well. But I- you know, living in New York City you know, you really do see like the food capital of America because every culture is represented here and they all have their own food. I mean, the first year I lived here, I just spent all my money on food and going out. Um, You know, uh, it was just kind of a fun thing. I learned a lot about hospitality. I made a lot of friends in the hospitality business. And I already been cooking a lot too because I had access to a lot of good ingredients that I didn't have um, other places. Uh, So long story short is in 2000. Uh, I believe, 2011, 2012, my five years in year, here, uh, I was laid off from my job. The uh, music business kind of went over a trend. The music business kind of in the early 2010s. Well, since the early 2000s, it's, it's had a hard time kind of trying to find its footing since MP3s and streamings came out because the whole monetary uh, royalties came from physical cons, physical sales, like CDs, records, this and that. So it's been, it's been kind of winging it since then. So long story short, last quarter of the year, there's always a lot of layoffs, and I got laid off one year. Yep. Uh, so I, so I, I took some clients with me, who working freelance, and I knew these guys who worked for record labels, these three guys who worked for record labels that I had done projects with before, and they owned a bar. So I took a job as a bartender, never bartended before ever. Uh, mm-hmm. I worked my way up from a bar back to a bartender. Uh, and I, I was like, okay, and I did my clients during the day, worked at night, just exhausted myself. Uh, and then basically I kind of said to myself, well, I'll just work at this bar until I find another full-time PR office job. After a while, I was kind of like, well, it's, even though it's exhausting, I kind of like being my own independent person, this and that. And working at a bar, I kind of got, started seeing with my own eyes, I started taking my PR acumen into that business. I started seeing like, what works, what doesn't work, customer service, you know, marketing, promos, this and that. Um, our bar was nearby a lot of big and medium-sized music venues in New York City, so you saw through after parties for bands playing there. We'd have them come to the bar, and it really just started getting immersed in the hospitality business. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted—I t- I already got the front of the house part down. I want to take the back of the, hard- back of the house part down. So I, I went—I to- went to culinary school. Uh, I went to ICE. So on top of this, I'm bartending, doing PR, and going to culinary school. <laughs> you know, I-, 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 I, basically- I barely had any moments to eat or breathe or sleep. Um, but it was—it was a fun ride. And I kind of just took that PR acumen there. I think I—I I chose ICE as my culinary school because they teach not just how to not just not just how to be a chef, but also the good business side of food. Because to be a good chef, you kind of have to be kind of a good accountant, too. Yes. A little bit. You got to know, like, food costs, margins, labor costs, like, seasonal food, how you can go out. I mean, obviously, you can imagine what a nightmare it is now with inflation and supply chain issues. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I just kind of just took it from there. So, after that, went and worked at a couple of restaurants. Uh, and then, eventually, I kind of went out on my own. So, I had my Music Business Connects. I kind of um, did a lot of events, catering, a lot of events and catering that I had through my Music Business Connects. It was still, like, uh, doing bar programs here and there because I worked at a couple of bars that had high-end, like, whiskey and bourbon programs, and whiskey and bourbon is not very popular. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of in that whole world, and you know, everything was really going well. 2019 was an amazing year for me on all ends, and then the pandemic happened, and then I had to find a way to be like, wow, I can't make money because people can't be in the same room. We can't even breathe the same air as each other, you know, mm-hmm. and then uh, I kind of had to figure out what was what, and eventually I was just kind of bartending a little after that, doing some catering here and there, very sparsely piecemeal. Uh, And then my culinary school has this job portal on a bulletin board, and there was a family uh, in uptown Manhattan who just needed a a private chef, and I responded to the ad, and I I went and gave them a tasting, and and then, you know, voila, it all kind of worked from there. So I'm doing that now. I, I work for one family now.
0: Love that, love that. I mean, that's 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 a hell of a ride, man. That's 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 a lot yeah. of life to live. Um,
1: I, I consider myself very fortunate because the pandemic, while well, it wasn't easy, and a lot of people, myself included, a lot of people still have not really come back from it. Oh man, and man. the restaurant and the restaurants that didn't survive are still hanging on month to month right now, yeah. and just the food costs are are just insane at this moment. Like, I saw,
0: yeah. saw cauliflower is pretty much five dollars a pound now. Jesus Christ, cauliflower.
1: That, like, that, that's just that's just
0: absurd yeah. yeah but yeah that's 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 crazy i mean all of it is but but your story sir i mean you know bringing you to present doing what you're doing doing what you love it sounds like is awesome so let's talk about you know when when you put on that that private chef mode or 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 really anytime you're in the kitchen what is it that – where is it, rather, I should say, you're drawing inspiration from? Now, obviously, we've talked about your deep culinary history in your family, but are, are there other places you're pulling from now?
1: Uh, Well, I always love the technique of French cooking. I believe that French cooking, uh, you know, the Escoffier, the brigade system,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is really what made the modern restaurant industry pretty much tenable. For the last almost century, yeah, it gave it gave the system of how you break down a kitchen, how you break down the techniques, and you know I believe that no matter I believe I, I went hard. I, I love history and geography. I always have, so like I, I broke down just every region of France. I learned how to cook it all throughout culinary school and afterwards, even a little bit beforehand too. Uh, and I believe that if you can cook every region of French food, you can really apply it to any style of food in the world um Mm -hmm. i actually after culinary school my hopes i actually wanted to be a french chef i just wanted to cook in french restaurants and cook french food full time that's all i wanted to do Mm -hmm. uh but with with my background you know being italian american i i I really got more so just naturally with who i was cooking for what i was cooking uh i would say my specialty pretty much is like mediterranean middle eastern food basically anything like portugal spain south of france greece you know Mm -hmm. uh you know Morocco, you know, uh you know, Palestine, Jordan, Iran, mm-hmm. you know, Syria, Turkey, all that kind of food. It's just it's just it really is in some ways, even though every country has their own distinct flavor and palate. I think if you go anywhere in the world, you'll see that every country, next to every country, has a little bit of every country and the kinda of like their food, you know. It's all yeah. kind of mixed in there, you know.
0: No, I think that I, I think that's a great point and and, and you know, I, I wanted to touch on that because obviously The softball answer would be your Italian roots, but when you're throwing out Serbian Baltic vegan food, I know the inspiration goes, like, quite a bit deeper. Now, you know, being somebody who probably has to be on point, uh, on fleek if the kids are listening, um, (laughs) what – you know, food is very much trend-driven, and and you had mentioned that Serbian Baltic – uh, would would possibly be a trend oh, oh, in the up and Balkan. 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 or Balkan? I'm so- I'm sorry, I wrote down That's Baltic. Fine. It's Balkan. Um, That's fine. talk talk to me about other trends we the diners should be looking for.
1: Um, uh, right now I would say, um, I mean, Korean food is is very. Really popular right now. I, that that's really a big part, big in part due to Roy Choi, who is a chef who I really admire. Yeah, who uh, who was really taught. He, he really revolutionized the food truck movement in the mid two thousands in Los Angeles. Uh, he was a, a child of Korean immigrants who, even though his food is seen as Korean, it's really Korean Americans inspired. Mm-hmm. But I, I believe that I think Roy, I think Korean food is doing really well because. Roy Choi kind of led the movement right now. He also, he does amazing, which I say, I always believe um, if you don't, you don't need to be a trained chef to be a good cook. You really don't. You, you just have to know simple basic techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Roy, I will endorse this here. Roy Choi's master class on intuitive cooking is by and far the best I've seen as far as intuitive cooking. It teaches you how to like some not, not just not measure because you have to measure some stuff, just how to like Look at certain things and say, okay, I can do this, this, and this, and make this. And kind of just do it in your head. Kind of yeah. be creative. I'd say, like, I will say serving a Baltic food, um, really da- is overdue for a trend. Uh, there's a, there's a, um, a kind of a kebab called shavapi that's made, it's really popular in this neighborhood in Queens. I used to live in called Ridgewood. Mm-hmm. Um, I will, um, uh, there's a lot of other stuff too. Like, I, for a while, uh, Hawaiian food, was kind of popping up here in New York. Now, of course, Korean and Hawaiian food, cuisines like that are more so big and better on the West Coast, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and more so tapas has really been flying off the handle the last few years. I, I love tapas, but I think you really got to do it right, which a lot of places yeah. don't really get into the authentic Spanish style as I had in Spain. But it, there still are some good yeah. spots here and there.
0: Well, and they think, too, that, that just, you know, so long as something's on a small plate. We're going to call it a tapas. Like, like tapas yeah. doesn't necessarily equate to a small plate.
1: Exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right on. Right on. Now, now let's let's put our mean girl pants on for a minute here, and let's talk, like, stuff you wish would just go away. What is popular today that Chris Pacifico is absolutely spun out tired of?
1: Well, first and foremost, I want to say brunch. I think brunch is just, <laughs> jump the shark, I'm over it. Sadly, but sadly, I'll be honest, because with brunch... The prep is all different. It's a whole different prep and the ripple, the ripple effect is totally different. The problem is most of brunch has eggs. And usually when you, when you're serving someone eggs and you're in the kitchen, you literally have like 60 seconds at at best to get that food uh, off the pass and onto the table. So usually with brunch, if there's a ripple in the front of house, it, it goes to the back of the house. Yeah. If there's a ripple in the back of the house, it goes in the front of the house. It's mm-hmm. a weird thing like that. Sadly, brunch is a very economic reality that a lot of restaurants have to dab. Something right. you have to have to remain open, to remain relevant, especially if you're in a trendy neighborhood. Um, it's something that, like, you know, you just, you just need to kind of have to pay your bills.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Y- you kind of just don't even break even on it. there to keep your restaurant relevant, keep it branded. Yep. Like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an essential evil if you're, if you're a new or established restaurant. Yep. Now, if you're, a fi- if you're a five-star, Michelin-star dining place, you don't need it because you're already established as it is. Right. Not to say that no Michelin-star place is not a brunch. Uh, the other thing I'm really not liking is sous vide. Mm. I think sous vide, I think it's just a waste of time, it's a waste of money. I, I I think it's just it just takes away the fundamentals from cooking meat with direct and indirect heat.
0: Yeah. I think
1: if you wanna if you wanna have meat cooked in fluid, just braise
0: some meat. Yeah. Braise it. Yes.
1: Simply braise it. I think I don't like the livery taste. It kind of just gives everything. I think it's wasteful to the environment.
0: I, I just think it's just it's just not my job. I also believe that with like if you want to try something really good, make
1: braised Korean short rib. I oh hell what, yes! Know, if, if you if you follow a braised Korean short rib recipe to a T, it'll it'll blow the pants off anything you make in a vide. So I think soupy is just go.
0: gotta it's, it's gotta be gone. It's I've just, never. I'm not saying it has to be gone. I'm saying it's just not
1: my thing. I, I, the trend is just nuts. And also,
0: mm-hmm. I, I love bacon, but bacon has jumped the shark. <laughs> bacon everything. Like I, I love bacon. I I, I have to bat against bacon proper, but. Everything is bacon. I think one year I saw bacon-flavored Ritz crackers. It's like, where does this end? Yep. You know? It's not going to. It's not going to. Avion's going to come out with a bacon water. Yeah. And sriracha. And sriracha.
1: Again, I love sriracha sauce as a condiment. Yeah. Everything is sriracha, 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 and hibiscus. Just sriracha, this hibiscus, that. It's
0: just like, ugh. Yep. Big stuff. I I pretty much five for five. Five for five would agree with you. Like a sous vide steak, I've seen people take like – I mean, l- legit beautiful steak and sous and I just don't get it. It's like, where? What? What is the reason? Like, who hurt you when you were young? Like, something happened. Yeah. Something happened. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're you're doing what you're doing, and you're obviously killing it, and you're obviously a fountain of knowledge. Um, again, you know, I feel like that's inherited from from y- your family bloodline. Honored to know him. Honored, honored to have. I didn't get to tell you before. Honored to have had the Italian wedding soup, and I can attest. It is like lights out one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life. But you know, here's Chris, you know, doing your thing, doing the private chef thing. What's, what's next for you? Talk to me about the, the, the three year, the five year plans.
1: Um, right now, I really gotta say, uh, I really, I think it's one of those things, like this job that I got, I didn't really seek out looking for it. It just kind of happened. And I feel like my path in the culinary world, uh, whatever's going to happen will, I think it'll just kind of come to me. I think right yeah. now I'm just really happy where I'm at. Uh, I like the fact the family I work for gives me a lot of freedom and flexibility to kind of cook, uh, the food with the love and the knowledge that I put into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're very, they're very like, they like to talk about food. They know about spice and they know about cooking and technique and history. Uh, so I, I really got to say right now, um, you know, I'm just I'm just on the ride for where it is. I'm not Love really it. looking for anything more. And whatever comes up in the future, or something you know, whatever something comes up, it'll happen. But I think sometimes, uh, if you go, if you really try hard to look for something that you don't know what it is, mm-hmm. that you know that that grass is always greener thing may not always yep. be true. So right now, I'm just kind of grooving where I am, and yeah, whatever comes up will kind of come up, you know. But yeah. I'm I'm really just happy to have. Uh, Really good, just like you know, obviously, just like good, steady work and a job that I like, especially after being of <laughs> uh, eight, 18 months during the pandemic, just piecemealing and doing this and that, yeah. and just being on a zigzag. So, just on, I'm just enjoying a consistent schedule. At the moment. I love it, <laughs>
0: so, yeah. I love it, man. Just ride it, yeah. Don't put something that's not there, just let it go, let it ride. Um, yeah. and obviously, nothing but success. Uh, let's talk afters. The, uh, a little bit more reverent, a little bit more off the cuff. Um, you and I are cooking, hanging out, doing our thing, whether we're cooking for an event or something like that. And you've got control of the music. You are the DJ. What are we listening to while we sling? Uh,
1: I had a Spotify playlist,
0: I believe, that sent you this yep. weekend. It's,
1: it's just called Exotic Chef Mix for Cooking and Spicing. It's basically, it's a Spotify playlist of just a lot of, um, A lot of kind of old American R&B, but a lot of, like, um, Mediterranean uh, music. A lot of it's, like, psych rock from, like... I I collect a lot of old records, and I get into, like, a lot of, like, world music from, like, way back in the day in the 60s and 70s. And now, like, during the whole hippie revolution here, every other country was kind of um, taking their their twist on things. Uh, So it's a really cool playlist of, like, just... A lot of other countries, mainly Mediterranean countries. There's some South American music, some Brazilian music on there too. Uh, and I believe that playlist just kind of has all the spice on it. There's a really cool um, Brazilian band called Os Vitantes. They were really big in the 60s in Brazil. Nice. They're this huge, like psychedelic Brazilian band, and they still played a lot of shows it had big concerts in defiance of a military dictatorship back then too. And so over the years, they've kind of regained popularity as record collectors have gotten back together and played huge festivals. Um, I'm really big into like a lot of jazz. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have an Italian cooking for, for the Italian food. Of course you go with the stereotypical Guido playlist. It's like you know, Frank, Sinatra, Frank, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Tony Bennett, you know, Mario Anza, all that kind of stuff that, it helps you when you're cooking a lot of red sauce and pasta and starch and carbs and things like that, too.
0: Yep, you can taste it, man. I, I, I don't want to hear you can't taste the music. You can absolutely oh, yeah. taste the goddamn music. Yeah. For sure. Um, all right, so listen, we're going to duct tape you, put you in a trunk, fly you to a deserted island, and uh, you can only bring three foods or food-type items with you. Inexhaustible supply, never runs out, but you can only take three things. What are you taking and why?
1: Well, obviously garlic's one of them. Yeah. We gotta have that. Um, I'm gonna say garlic for that. Uh, I would say tomatoes, that might get too acidic and hurt my stomach up some. <laughs> uh, I guess you're gonna need a starch in there, so I'm gonna take fava beans for the starch. Okay. Uh, and I guess for the protein, that can also be a protein. Yep. And I guess for the protein, I guess I'm gonna say. Well, if I'm on an island, it's probably going to be more so to have access to fish.
0: Yep, yep.
1: So, let's just go with, mm, well, are oh, there spices there, too? We, I have to assume I have to use it on the island, right?
0: Sure, sure, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah.
1: Let's assume there's some spices there. All right, well, then I'm fishing, and let's just say, ah, uh, change it. Let's just say garlic, potatoes, and cod.
0: I love that, Jesus. Garlic, potato, cod. Yeah, yeah.
1: and just kind of work with it every which way. If I'm stuck yep. on the island, so I assume I'm fishing for cod, so mm-hmm. it's infinite there. Garlic bring with, potatoes bring with. I don't think potatoes grow in sand on an island. So just, just enough protein starch you can get me by. And I'm sure on that desert island, I can find a lot of plants and fruits and yeah. maybe 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 a wild boar to kill here and there.
0: Like a there you of go. the Flies.
1: Like a Lord of the Flies. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> I can just see, so, yeah. see you put down the face paint under your eyes. Oh. Um, yeah. So... Next next question, and you you may very well break the combo of 195 episodes. Um Melanie Denea is a world famous photographer. Do you know of her?
1: Uh I believe I've heard of her. Is she like from um is she from France or?
0: Yes, yes, and she's the one that did the did the shot of Bourdain with the beef femur between his legs, naked, like so she's done all these high-end celebrity food shots, and she made two uh, two coffee table books: uh, "My Last Supper" and "The Next Course." And you know the late night after shift drinking game people from the kitchen play. It's like you're you, you know they're throwing the switch on you tomorrow. What's your last meal tonight? So Chris Pacifico, I'm going to ask you: what's What's your last meal? What are you eating? What are you drinking? What's playing in the background? Who's there? Well, this if it's my last meal. I said, "Am, am I?"
1: Am I dying on my deathbed, or am I, am I getting the death
0: penalty? That's, that's the God question. damn! Um, First time I'm getting asked that. Um, like, yeah, you're just when you go to sleep. That's it.
1: Okay, It's my last meal. Uh, I I'm gonna. There's there's a region of Italy uh, called Apulia, which is I believe it's just it, it's it's it is I believe the one region on earth in Italy. That just takes the most rustic of foods. I'm talking just the most bare minimum, and just makes it blow up with flavor. They created the concept that was called Cucina Porvera, which means cuisine of the poor in Italy. Uh, and I believe that they just do a lot of good, like panzanello, It's like a turnover with it's deep fried, it has mozzarella and onions, and focaccia. Uh, they do a lot of just bread out of simple stuff, and a lot of simple soups and orchetta, pasta. I don't know what food I would like from Apulia. I know everything I've tried from there is very good. Mm-hmm. I tried a lot of it when I was in Italy. Um, I would say just get me a chef who's from Apulia and just say dealer's choice.
0: Love it. Yeah, take the choice off. I adore that. I adore that. What are you listening to?
1: What's that? Uh I guess from Italy. Uh well for doing Italian food. I'm gonna be listening to um I want to say either Ennio Morricone, who did a lot of the old film scores, mm-hmm. the Italian film, like because Italian music film scores got kind of rocking and jazzy back then. Yeah. No, I want to be listening to uh, anything, just the best of Nino Rota. He did the music for The Godfather, did the La Dolce Vita music, mm-hmm. uh, just a lot of neoclassical jazz, funk scores. So yes, a and Chef, mm-hmm. listening to Nino Rota.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. Morricone was the one that did the good, the bad, and the ugly, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, his, his discography is so insanely crazy. He just kind of got with the times for rock and psychedelic rock and did all this stuff. And he performed up until his late 90s and passed away, too. So, That's really crazy. amazing lifespan of that guy.
0: God damn. That is awesome. Beautiful layout, beautiful spread, beautiful music. Just in time for the last question, Chris. The simplest, but the most complex. What is food to you in a single word? Uh,
1: communication. I believe it is, it, it conveys, it speaks, it, it comes from the heart, it comes from love, it comes from hate, it comes from food that you find easy. A lot of chefs torture themselves for certain dishes, mm-hmm. uh, for better or for worse. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it is communication on the level you want it to be.
0: I love it. I love it. Communication. And I have to say, brother, it was so nice to finally communicate with you in person. Um a fountain of knowledge. I I expected no less. Again, not to lay it on that, hey, I know them, but like no, no, you know, from your family. Me. Obviously this makes sense and I just wish you continued success. Uh folks can find you out on the Instagram at Pacific Bruh B R U H which I adore because I hear that from my fifteen year old all the time.
1: P-A-C-I-F-I-B-R-U-H.
0: B-R-U-H, Absolutely. Out on the F B. Um, you know, just just Go out and check them out, man. It is it is about as entertaining as we get. With the election having been yesterday, holy shit, I was in stitches. I'm not gonna lie. The uh the, the Papa Roach write-in option was amazing. Oh, yeah. I just have to I just have to name that. And I'm sure again people did that in PA. But Chris, I mean absolute pleasure, absolute honor, only the best to you, man.
1: Thank you very much for having me, and I'll definitely come back anytime you want.
0: Of course, man. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode number one hundred and ninety-six of the Course Grind Podcast with me today. Chef Chris Pacifico, our producer, as always, has been the lovely, voluptuous Johnny Leland Robinson, aka the Reverend Johnny Lemuria. Be sure to check out all of his cinematic libertarian pirate party happenings in the 18431. Next episode is going to be 197. Perhaps an old friend returns. You're going to have to stay tuned to find out. <laughs>